So let me just add my thanks before I jump into where I'm going. Um, it is an amazing thing we are endeavoring to do, and we simply couldn't do it without givers who believe in that particular strategy. So I think the second most common thing I hear when people come up to me and thank me for things is that it's free. That's the second. The first thing is it helps. <laughs> um, and it means a lot when it's somebody in Nepal with no access to anything or somebody with five kids and little resources like the guy that showed up Saturday night a week ago and said, I mooched off you for 10 years, and now we're giving a little bit. <laughs> and I said, mooch, mooch away. <laughs> um, so thank you. So what I'm going to do is uh, take you into uh, my, um, okay, what I need to do, I'm pushing my button and nothing's happening. What? I'm, I am. Baba. I don't have the muscles, I guess. Okay, that's, that's where we're going. Thoughts on Christ, weakness, insults, and homosexuality. Uh, front burner from yesterday. Um, and, and what I've done is I've pushed together a front burner issue from my soul and the news of Jamie Rodemeyer's suicide on Monday. So I see these things on the news and I... I'm always asking how what we stand for relates to everything. That's just the way my mind works. It's if something's out there and has the attention of the culture, I want, if I can, to bring the supremacy of God in all things together with it. So I'm going to just walk through a whole lot of slides with you. Everything I have to say is, is on this. And... Um, see if I can take you to where my soul was in my own wrestling to be godly and where my thinking is in regard to a 14-year-old kid who kills himself because he's bullied, perhaps, because he's uh, struggling with homosexual desires. So that's, that's where we're going. Well... You want to show me the trick, John? Is it my ice cold thumb or what is it here? <laughs> okay, I'll do that if I if I can't do it. So here's the text that has been our fighter verse for the last um, week. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And I think what grabbed me personally out of this is the, is the word insults. I am content with insults because I'll tell you, if my wife doesn't 
you know, say what I wanted to say or somebody at church sends me a note I don't want to get, I, I don't feel content. I feel my, my default is anger and frustration leading to a kind of withdrawal and sullenness and, and uh, it's not contentment going on in my soul. So this is a magnificent miracle that I, I would like to have happen more often in my life. So that's, that's the text that got everything going. Paul valued the experience of Christ's power resting on him more than he valued being free from weaknesses, free from his thorn, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. So the reason he could be content, evidently, is because he valued Christ's power resting on him. The satisfying aim of his life was mainly to magnify the greatness of Christ, not to minimize his pain. Because if his value had been minimized by pain, then every time somebody insulted him or hardships came or calamities came or weakness came, then his, his anger would have come up and contentment would have gone away because his value was just taken away. But he's worked it out here so that his value isn't taken away because his value is the power of Christ is shown to be greater if I'm content in insults and therefore I value Christ being magnified more than I value not being insulted. Now there's the, there's the amazing experience that happens that we so long for. This is what we stand for as a ministry, this kind of contentment. This is Christian hedonism at, at, its, at its core. Therefore, he was content, or pleased, the Greek word, eudikeo, in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions. Amazing, it's just crazy. When the power of Christ rests upon Paul, verse 9, he experiences this as, I am strong. Now, we're going to work on contentment and strength and what they have to do with each other here. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You be strong in the strength of the Lord. So that's, the, that's a connection I'm drawing with Paul says, when, when the power of Christ is on him, he is content and Christ's power is made perfect in his weakness and, and his, uh, it's experienced as his power, according to verse 10. So, question, how do this contentment this being pleased in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. How does that and this being strong with Christ's strength relate to each other? That's, that's the question I have linked. What does strength, Christ's strength resting on me, that's the first way he says it, and then he says, when I'm weak, I'm strong. So evidently, I'm strong in Christ's strength. So somehow I'm being strong with the strength of Christ, and that has something to do with contentment that makes me able to be insulted and not lose my, my peace, my joy, my, my core restfulness. I want to understand this. I want to not really understand it. I want to experience it. So here's where I think the answer is found. Now we're in Philippians 4.11. Not that I am speaking of being in need. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, so he's, he, this is like insults, calamities, hardships, weaknesses. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. Oh, God, I want that. 
I have learned it, Paul said. It's a secret and I found it. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things, all those horrible things and great things through, aha, here it is again, him who strengthens me. So now we've got this pair again, contentment and strength. So you've got it in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, and you've got it in Philippians 4, and the same thought complex of, I, I have hardships, but I'm content in them, or another way to say it is, I am made strong for them. So here's the same combination, contentment and humiliation, hunger and need with being strong in Christ's strength. And Paul says there's a secret that can be learned which unlocks this contentment. What is this secret and how does it relate to the strength of Christ? That's the next question. And I think the answer is found here. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And here's, here's the core key. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth or value or treasure of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So the key, I'm saying the key to this contentment, the secret is experiencing the surpassing worth of Christ who loved me and gave himself for me on the cross. I must not just know it, I must experience he is precious beyond not being insulted. Infinitely more satisfying more precious than being free from weaknesses, insults, calamities, hardships, persecutions, infinitely more satisfying because of his worth. The worth of Jesus is Christ. And if I experienced that at my core being, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose it. I wouldn't lose it. I wouldn't lose it in my marriage. I wouldn't lose it in the church. I wouldn't lose it watching some news item that ticks me off. When Christ is so precious and so satisfying to you that you can count all other things as rubbish by comparison, then weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities cannot touch the core of your contentment. Now, the strength how does strength figure in here? Because in both texts, 2 Corinthians 12 and Philippians 4, he moved from contentment to strength. The strength of Christ relates to this experience of the preciousness of Christ in two ways. One, it establishes Christ in our hearts as our supreme treasure. That's what the new birth is. The new birth is taking out the heart of stone that treasures all the world, putting in the heart of flesh that treasures Christ above all things, and that takes infinite power. No human being can do this. This is why pastors feel so helpless when they preach. 
They cannot make happen what has to happen. No human power in the universe can take out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. Nobody can make people stop treasuring money or freedom from insult and start treasuring Christ above all. You want that to happen for your kids. You can't make it happen. You want it to happen to your husband or your wife or your mom or your dad or your friend or the neighbor. You can't make it happen. You feel can't see this? Can't you see this? He is so infinitely valuable. No, they can't. And no human power ever is going to make them see it. Only God can. So that's the first way the strength relates to the contentment. It establishes Christ as our treasure. And then, and this is the variable sanctification piece that I'm struggling with, you're struggling with, This power, this strength, enables us day by day in varying measures to experience that treasure as supremely satisfying so that we have the inner impulse to resist uh, depressing and enraging emotions awakened by weakness from within and threats from without that powerfully threaten to ruin our contentment. So that the power of Christ, when it is exercised in full measure for us, enables us to so taste and experience the contentment of the treasure and the value of Jesus that our contentment cannot be destroyed from inside by a weakness like a thorn or from outside by an insult. They come at us, they hurt, but they don't go to the core. They don't undo us. They don't take that that central, steady, strong, solid contentment and, and ruin it so that we can keep walking, we can keep moving. We don't lose it in our relationships. Conclusion, before we shift over to its application to homosexuality. Therefore, let our constant prayer, carried by faith in Christ's word, be this. O Lord, by your great power, grant me to know and to experience you as supremely valuable and deeply satisfying so that my contentment in you overcomes the power of weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, calamities to make me miserable and to make me mad, to ruin my joy, or to make me retaliate. And and those, I I went this direction in my conclusion because I know where I'm going with Jamie Rodemeyer and the bullying. Maybe you see it. You have a kid who is struggling with homosexual desires. That's a weakness. That's the brokenness, right, in him. And and it's going to ruin him. And and he's... It's there. It's coming from within. And then there's from outside insults just being heaped on this kid online and in person every day at school. So you got these two. And the text is all about those. Weaknesses, insults, weaknesses, insults. And I want this kid to have some deep Christ-given, Christ-exalting new identity contentments that enable him to navigate this horrible world he lives in. That's where I'm going. Here's the facts. Jamie Rodemeyer, 14, high school student in Buffalo, New York, killed himself on Monday in a video made last May, which I watched online. You can go watch it. He described some of the bullying he received. One wrote online, Jamie is stupid, gay, fat, ugly. He must die. Another wrote, I wouldn't care if you died. No one would, so just do it. 
on the video, he repeatedly said, it gets better. I mean, there's a whole website out there started by Dan Savage. It gets better. I went on that website the other night, and I couldn't watch all, a video all the way through where a kid, for eight minutes, I saw the eight at the bottom. He said, I'm about to video my call home to tell my parents that I'm gay. I'm going to tape it. And I, I just didn't want to. I did not want to watch this. It just seemed so intrusive into his, into his life. And I thought, whoa, what is that? Um, but anyway, he's saying it gets better. And then, and then he told his viewers, and knowing that he's dead makes this so painful, love yourself and you're set. That was his final piece of advice to himself and to the world. Love yourself and you're set. He wasn't set. Jamie was tragically stumbling in the dark. He appeared to have no gospel light in his life. He needed Jesus, and the insulting bullies need Jesus. So you've got two issues, right? You've got insulters, and you've got weak collapsers in identity crisis. How does Jesus meet the adolescent with homosexual desires and the bullies who insult him? That's what I, I, I want. You see, I think we... We're going to move to a situation in this country where holding the view that homosexual practice is sin might get us in jail. Wouldn't be surprised if that came down the line in just a few years. And, and a lot of, of, of evangelicals are going to cave on this. They're just going to cave for all kinds of rationalizations. I think one of the things that we, we just have to do is when we speak, we speak in these two directions. We speak to the bully and we speak to the broken. So that's an attempt here. How does Jesus meet the adolescent with homosexual desires and the bullies? Here's the way the Bible helps us understand the adolescent with homosexual desires and bullies. And if you wonder, I worked for years with a, a fellow who had come out of the gay lifestyle and uh, was at our church and uh, he had AIDS, and he died of AIDS. And he, he bred into me never to use the word homosexual as a noun. Because from his standpoint, that was not his identity. This is the way he wanted me to talk, and so I tried to build this into my vocabulary. He says, don't say, I am a homosexual. Say, I am a Christian with new life in Christ who wrestles with these desires. That's, that's the way he wanted me to talk, and I've tried to be consistent since then. I'm sure I haven't succeeded always. So here's the way I think the Bible helps us understand the adolescence and the bully. When a taste for homosexual pleasure meets the human sin nature without Christ, the outcome is a movement in either or both of two directions. A movement towards the satisfaction of homosexual practice and or a movement toward a crisis of self-identity. Who am I and is there any future for one like me? He, he obviously decided there wasn't took his life at age 14. There's just no future for somebody like me at this school or on this planet. So that's what happens when a taste for homosexual pleasure meets human sin. When distaste, 
and I have this distaste, and I think it's not evil. When distaste for homosexual pleasure meets human sin nature without Christ, the outcome is a movement in either or both of two directions, a movement toward the satisfaction of hate and bullying, or, and, a movement toward finding identity and power and put-downs and, and the exaltation of self. And my, my deep conviction is that Jesus Christ is the only remedy for both of these crises. For both, he offers himself as the only remedy for the guilt of their sin nature and its fruit. If they'll receive him, his death covers it, and we're free from condemnation. God accepts us and counts us as righteous in Christ. So at, when, it, when I say this taste and this distaste meet sin, what, what can solve that? that bad things are going to happen when these tastes, these either broken or not broken tastes, meet sin and Jesus is the only one. He's the only one who has the solution to that sin nature and our guilt there. Second, for both, he offers a new identity in Christ, not mainly heterosexual or homosexual, but new creation in Christ, Son of God, heir of all things, on the way to perfect wholeness. What a miracle if we could fold into our, our churches a 14-year-old kid who is manifestly effeminate and everybody suspects, oh, this, this is not right. And to build into him your identity, your identity is in Christ. And you're on your way to wholeness, whether it takes eternity to meet it, whether it takes your life to meet it in eternity. That, that would be a miracle for that to happen. Third, for both Jesus offers himself as a superior pleasure and satisfaction, better than sinful sexual practice, better than the ego trip of insulting and bullying. So I'm arguing that the contentment we were talking about is the remedy for both the brokenness of experiencing this weakness and the bullying of, of loving this uh, put-down pleasure that I get out of insulting you. The pleasure going towards homosexual practice here, the pleasure of going towards bullying and insulting over here is remedied here. It's better. Jesus is better. Fourth, for the adolescent with homosexual desires, neither the weakness of homosexual inclinations from within nor the torment of insults from without will be able to destroy the deep-rooted contentment that Christ alone can be for the human soul. I don't know any other way to offer a help for him than this. His, his solution was, and he got it from Lady Gaga, was uh, love yourself and you'll be set. How many millions of people are being delivered that message and struggling, love myself, love myself, love myself. It's not the remedy. It's not the remedy. It, it is a false remedy. For the hateful, insulting bully, the seductive lure of self-exaltation through put-downs and the pleasures of hurting uh, what you despise will be severed by the superior power of the presence of Jesus whose greatness lies mainly in his humble willingness to suffer for sinners, not condemn them. 
The reason I put it like that is because Jesus, if you savor Jesus, and Jesus uh, is a humble sufferer, then you won't be able to delight in putting others down. So the remedy for the despair of Jamie Rodemeyer and the hate of his accusers and for us is the same. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I've learned to be content with weaknesses from within, with insults from without. Father in heaven, we at Desiring God are doing everything we're able to do to experience and to declare the nature and glory and power of the contentment that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and in Philippians 4, 11 to 13. And I ask, Lord, that for us on staff, we would know this contentment and that for those who come to us looking for help in a thousand ways, that they would find this strength in Jesus and this contentment in his supreme value. And Lord, make us effective in ministering to the brokenness of our culture and the sinfulness of our culture, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.